One of the hardest things of this time is that we don't get to hug and kiss each other. <laughs> like, KI is a very huggy, kissy community. We are very into uh, literally and figuratively embracing one another. It's a very hard time that way. It's a very hard time. It's a very hard night in so many ways, which we'll get to later, because I can't do that now. Um, But what I want to say is from the moment that we understood that we couldn't gather together as a community in person, from the moment that we knew that, we knew we would do whatever it took to come to you live. We knew we would do whatever it took, all the risks, all the three backup plans that had to be in place for us to be able to trust we could be in our KI sanctuary with you tonight, live. We knew that had to be how we did it, because we're KI. We hug, we kiss, we embrace. We want to be together so much that we knew we couldn't do this all pre-recorded and drop it in. There's no judgment on anyone else who does that. People talked about the risks. We say we always take risks as a KI community. We always risk to lean in, to lean in hard, to love each other, to be human beings means that we take risks. We're okay with that because we know when we fill up Two theaters in Westwood, a thousand seatings each, when this sanctuary is always filled at the same time, and when we have the chapel and the social hall also filled, we are talking about that alone is 3,000 people. Now you talk about screens. Now you talk about people who are members sharing it with their college-aged kids. They're sharing it all over the world, all over California. We are so grateful that so many of you wanted us to be here with you. We are so grateful. That that means like, what, 5,000 or more of us as KI Jews, forget the Jews, for the rest of the world. That's amazing too. But 5,000 or more of us gathered right now through the gift of technology, the gift of brilliant directors and producers and camera people and technicians. We are so grateful. We are so grateful that we can all actually experience something together. So someone said, so Rabbi, isn't that going to be hard for y'all to do this when there's no one in the sanctuary? We have been waiting. We have been waiting for an opportunity to do something. There's been nothing to do for so long. For six months, we've been sidelined. We've been benched. We are, uh, this is a sports metaphor, which I never do, but I do feel like this year, we finally have something we can come out and swing at. We have something we can swing at. We have something we can do, which is come to Erev Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah and Erev Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur. They're happening anyway. What we have the opportunity to do this year is finally this year do something about coming together. The Yamim Noraim absolutely look different. 
absolutely, they're different than they've ever been before. We miss you so much. You can't know. Just seeing each other here uh, in the sanctuary, because uh, we're live, um, just being here in the sanctuary, it's so good to be together, but we miss you so much. We know, though, that you're watching. We know that you're participating. We know that you're praying with us as one large KI community. And that means we are not alone. You are not alone. Your family is not alone. The Jewish people come together. That's what we do. Crisis, death, danger, destruction, what we do as a people in the face of that our whole career as a people is we pull together. We come together. Thank you, KI. Every single one of you watching means you've opted back in. You've opted in when it's easy to opt out. We cannot thank you enough. We can't do this without you. Happy New Year, KI. Take a moment to just hold how many other households are doing this right now. We are praying in our homes in a way that feels like we're alone, but we're not really alone. The rabbis really understood from an early time that people weren't going to be praying only in community, but there was a lot of pressure from the tradition to pray in community. But Sibor in community. And so uh, the Talmud addresses the issue, if you're someone on a journey and you get off your horse and you spread out a blanket and it's time to eat lunch on your journey, should you pray the traveler's prayer, tefillah derech, in the singular or the plural? And there's a huge argument in the Talmud, because that's what we do as Jews. We argue. It's our like Olympic sport we argue. So the argument is, should we pray in the singular or in the plural? Well, if you're on your horse and you're getting off and you're having lunch and you have your own particular concerns about your own journey, your own, the own, your own precarious situation, you would, of course, pray in the singular. God, protect me. God, direct me. God, shield me. So there's this huge argument in the Talmud, and Abaye is the closing voice in that argument. And Rav Abaye argues, no, you don't pray in the singular. That's a lot of the arguments made by other rabbis. And Abai says, absolutely not. You pray, you pray in the plural, because every traveler is praying for the same thing. Every person journeying out on whatever our journey is alone is praying for protection from illness. Right now, that's top of mind for us. Violence, accident, losing our way. Whatever we're praying for, so is every other traveler. So we join with the community of travelers who are all praying for protection from the same things, and we pray with the people of Israel. We are always part of the people of Israel. We pray with Sibor all the time. We pray with our community all the time because we never stop being members of that community. So we pray 
this Rosh Hashanah, we pray in our homes, in our living rooms. It looks like we're alone. It may seem like we're alone. It may seem silly at times. It may seem like, wait, what? I'm not even comfortable with this in, in synagogue, in shul, much less in my living room on my couch doing this and in front of my kids. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yes, it's different. We are alone on a journey, each household, each family, each person this year. But this year more than ever, we know we pray B'tzibor, we pray as a community, we pray as one people, we pray as people vulnerable to the same things, and now more than ever, we understand that we are connected to all the other people in the world, because we like to sometimes pretend we're not but we are connected to every other people. Now, more than ever, we understand it's not possible to pray Yechid alone. We all pray B'tzibor. We all pray in community. Our prayers happening at different times, it's always happened that way, it turns out. The rabbis even were aware of the fact that the time differences meant that different congregations were praying at different times. So how could the Holy One hear the prayers of the people of Israel if they were praying all over different kinds of time zones? These started, this time these started, that time they ended at that time. But the Talmud has a beautiful teaching that there is an angel assigned to go to every single congregation as they finish their prayers and lift those prayers up. And now it means we have many KI congregations that that angel is visiting. And that angel's job, says the Talmud, is to lift those prayers up, up, and up, collecting them as every single household, every single congregation, every single time zone finishes its prayers, and to weave a crown that will be placed on the head of the Holy One, Blessed be the mystery at the heart of reality. Blessed be the fountain of love that makes all of this possible. The rabbis knew we'd be praying differently in different times. Doesn't matter. All of them get lifted up. Imagine that. An angel that carries all of our prayers as every single congregation gathers in their homes tonight. Uh, it gathers those prayers, that angel, and wraps it around the universe as a crown. I'll close with the teaching from the rabbis that say, you can't fulfill the mitzvah of lulav on Sukkot. I know I just jumped to Sukkot. It's okay. Don't worry. It's okay. You can't fulfill the mitzvah of lulav on Sukkot unless you have your own lulav. You can't fulfill the mitzvah by borrowing the lulav from your chaver, from your friend. So why would that be? So that everyone has to have enough money to buy a lulav? No, because that wasn't the practice. They would bring their lulavim during the uh, temple period. They would bring their lulavim and lay them out. And then everyone could come pick a lulav. So why mandate buying your own lulav if it's not about pride of ownership? You could come, you had, to, you had to put yours into the communal pot and then take one out and use it. Why not just pass it around then? And the, the Talmud tells us because it meant chidur mitzvah. 
It was a beautification of the mitzvah to take all of those lulavim, not just, not just a few that were passed around in the temple courtyard, but a sea of them, a forest of them, a forest of lulavim waving. That's what would make the holiday powerful. That's what would make the holiday beautiful and impactful and move the people of Israel to what the season asked them to do. This year, I feel like more than ever, that Midrash, that that Talmudic ruling means so much to me as we think of ourselves usually as a congregation in two places. In this sacred space that we're in tonight, live, that we're in tonight, and we're also usually in a theater in Westwood. We're in the social hall for one kind of service, the family service in here before another service. We're in different services, but we're in a few, two physical locations. The Talmud teaches how beautiful it is when we have so many me'at, so many small tabernacles, so many small sanctuaries, all across West LA. Yeah, we're not together. That's the challenge. But imagine all those lulavim. There were four lulavim in the temple courtyard. Eh. But a sea of them, a forest of them waving on Sukkot, that's what we are, KI. We are KI sanctuaries all over LA, all over California. And guess what? Because of this, all over the world. Turkey, Israel, Canada, I know you all can name more, all of the states, for me, Duluth, Philadelphia, like we have people who love us, who are tuning in from all over. How much was the Holy One made holy, I mean made happy by all of those who love him waving in the temple courtyard? How much more so is the Holy One lifted up by the fact that we have small sanctuaries everywhere, everywhere, this Rosh Hashanah, this Yom Kippur. Thank you so much for all that you do to make that happen. May you be blessed with a happy, healthy new year.